Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome into today's edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. If you have just found us, please do subscribe to the program on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, a great one because it's on all the platforms and it's a fairly intuitive. It's fairly intuitive with how you listen to your music. So check out the Five Reasons Podcast on there. Check out all the podcasts in our network. Of course, we're talking some NBA today. So check out Miami Heat Beat on the Miami Heat, really dialing in on the day-to-day with this team. Check out HeatBeatMiami.com as well for the latest written coverage on the team. They do a terrific job over Miami Heat Beat. Thanks to all of our listeners who are checking us out on Dash Radio today, which is an app available in cars across America. If you have a new car with a fancy entertainment system and there's apps in there you can find dash radio you can check out the nothing but net channel and that is where we are to listen to the program so we're going to dive into the Miami Heat today and Ethan frankly it's been a bit grim of late Uh, we kind of wanted to frame this around a 20 game mark Uh, you might be hearing this before or after the Heat have indeed played their 20th game against the Atlanta Hawks and it's been a fairly grim recent stretch. They're three and seven at home now on the season. Uh, they lose by double digits despite a 35-point Dwayne Wade performance in Toronto. They did their best to blow a double-digit lead to Chicago, but th- their recent run of games is four losses from five, with losses at Indiana, home with the Lakers, home with Brooklyn, the lone win at Chicago, and then at Toronto. And in this kind of stretch of double-digit losses, uh, of home losses. There's been a throwing around of the T word. The T word is something uh, that that I have thrown around before, particularly two years ago, uh, that it got me derided quite a bit uh, on the uh, internet involving Miami Heat fans. But they're seven and twelve right now. The T word, of course, being tanking. Uh, they are in the in the context of the Eastern Conference. They're fifth from bottom, tied with the Washington Wizards on overall record. They're tied with the New York Knicks actually in the win column because the Knicks have gone and done a bad thing, which is win three in a row, uh, and then you have uh, Cleveland is won two in a row uh, at the bottom along with Atlanta. Uh, in the in the greater context of the league, the Heat are also six from bottom. So that, it's not a terrible position to be in in terms of the lottery. But Ethan, I feel like we should dive into the idea of tanking and losing for this team because uh, you just flatly believe correct that they're a bad basketball team. Yeah, I think that's where we're at right now. And, and I know that there's pushback um, from the organization on this because there's a feeling that they haven't had their entire basketball team and and I understand that to a degree if you're talking about the totality of what is an enormous payroll having all of your players clearly would be advantageous in terms of determining exactly where you are and I but I do want to backtrack here real quick I mean it's not just us you know or general people who say 20 games is the marker Pat Riley has said that repeatedly over the course of his career and when I talk to somebody else inside the organization they also use the 20 game marker so I do think this is a reasonable time to take a look at where they're at and are they a bad basketball team to this point? Yes. I mean, to this point, yes. And, and I think, I mean, they're closer to the bottom of the Eastern conference by far. They're three, as we speak today, they're three and a half games ahead of the last spot in the East and they're nine games behind the first. I mean, that's 
that's a bad basketball team. And, you know, we can talk about what they were a couple of years ago and the 30 and 11 run. But remember, the 30 and 11 run was propelled largely by the chemistry between Dragic and Waiters in the backcourt. And now you have Dragic. And I've talked about, you know, the fact that when you have teams like this, guys start not because they're quitting on the team. Goran Dragic would never quit on a team. But when you have a situation where, you know, you, you're, you're not really playing for anything, it's just natural that guys tend to end up being out a little bit longer than you would anticipate with another kind of team. And so now you have Goran who's out. You have Dion Waiters who I, I, when I talk to people inside the heat, they don't even mention his name. Like, I, I mean, he's, it's not even, you know, you know, a couple of people have, but for the most part, he's an afterthought. He's an afterthought making $52 million. Okay. Who, who's delivered nothing on the contract that they signed him to. And, but that's what propelled them. I, we can talk about James Johnson and some of the other pieces and Whiteside and everything else, but really it was Dragic and waiters outplaying other backcourts during that run. And they don't have either of them right now. And in waiters case, I don't know that they're going to have an effective waiters the entire season. I don't even think they're planning on it. So that that's think- crazy though, Ethan, he had surgery in January. Like it's been ten full months since yeah. that since that surgery, or, or was it even was it even longer than that? Like it's been a very long time since Dion Waiters had since Dion Waiters had surgery. What's happened? Like how, how is this possible that a guy that they felt so confident in giving a bunch of money to you, you're committed to him for two more years? He's a write off. Like that's two more years of a write off. We're not we're not we're not talking about Joakim Noah, right? Where he's just so far gone from a physical standpoint that or, or you know, Mozgov or Dang, where they're just so far gone that they're not going to contribute like Deion Waiter's still young if he was healthy he'd be contributing like how, how has this happened well it's happened in part I think because they got duped to a certain degree I mean look I mean he he wanted to get signed before he had the surgery and that's just not something that this organization typically would have done and we've talked about sort of the what was around that which is that Dion for our understanding and no one's ever pushed back on this when we've talked about this Dion was not getting more than a one-year offer from anybody else and and for some reason the Heat decided to give him four years. Now, I have my theories on that. I think that Dion said and wrote, even in the Players' Tribune, the right things. Um, you know, where he he sort of gushed. Well, about and the well, and if, of we're, if we're saying they went thirty and eleven, at least in part because of Dion Waiters, yeah, then he played a role. He, he, no, he, he presented role. that value to them. Well, and he gave he gave them some moments that reminded them of Dwayne, um, particularly the Golden State moment. And this was an organization that was reeling from the big three guys and some of the little twelve from that group leaving sort of unhappy, right? Like, you know, Bosch was not happy. I never blame that on the heat, but Bosch was not happy. Uh, LeBron was not happy. Dwayne was not happy. Chalmers left unhappy. Miller left unhappy. James Jones left unhappy. Uh, Ray Allen left unhappy. I mean, that was the core of that team and nobody was happy. Even Chris Anderson was dumped for what, for salary, for, for salary reasons, right? For the luxury tax. So like mm-hmm. you're talking about eight of the nine guys of the rotation, you know, add in Norris Cole, who was dumped basically, you know, to get off of that contract or, or at least, you know, clear some space when they brought in Dragic. So, uh, you know, I, I, what I think happened there is you had some guys who talked about the culture and it sort of made heat officials, particularly the guy who's making the major decisions, uh, feel good again. Mm-hmm. And he reminded them of what they were and it, it brought some excitement back to the building. And so they decided to reward Dion. But Dion, look, Dion was not an efficient player over the course of most of his career. And he'd also, you know, if you talk to people in Cleveland, when I was up there that year, they did talk about sometimes his difficulty sort of staying in premier shape. And and those things have come to pass now. And we did have Stefania Bell on the pod, and she did talk about some of the trickiness of his particular injury. But if you have a tricky injury, 
you have a surgery and you have a guy who's not really following the protocol that the organization wants him to follow and he has a tendency to get out of shape. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's what we've seen. And so, you know, I'm not even counting on him at this stage. Now they add back James Johnson and we've seen how rusty James Johnson is since he came back. So I'm going to give that a couple of weeks. Okay. To see if he'll look a little bit more like he did two seasons ago, than he looked like last season. Cause so far he's looked a little like last season, but I think again, a lot of that is rust, but getting back to your overall point, Chris, you know, are they a bad basketball team? People in our network felt they were a slightly above average basketball team, right? Even you said 43 and 39. I, I went over on 42 and a half wins in part because I placed that bet the day I thought they were getting Jimmy Butler. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so that played into it. Okay. That was, I was using some insider information and that backfired. I guess, you know, if I did that on wall street, right. I, I, that wouldn't work out so well for me, but you know, I I thought they'd go over because I thought Spo would coach them over, but I've never felt this was a good roster. I mean, that, it, saying that they could be a functional team because I like their coach is different from saying that I like the roster that the front office put together. And, particularly, and, and if know, we're saying it's the same team that they're bringing back, they were 44 and 38 last year. So, I mean, right. it, it's, it's basically the same team. It is, and, and they didn't have waiters, as you said. They didn't have waiters for most of last season anyway, and James Johnson played hurt, and they still won 44 games. But we also talked about how I thought the East was better. We both thought the East was a little better this year, even losing LeBron out of the conference. You know, Toronto was going to be better. Milwaukee was going to be better because they had a real coach, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you Indiana was probably going to be improved, so you had three teams there. Philadelphia was probably going to be better. None of us projected what Boston was going to be so far this season, but we thought they'd be better. So best-case scenario for the Heat was six. And I'll tell you this, when you talk to people inside the organization, they felt that was the best case scenario too, okay? Because they always talk about there being five teams that were locked for the playoffs, and I just mentioned them. And so the Heat kind of fell into that six to eight slot, where, but I think people in the organization felt they could be closer to the six. Now I think where we're at is we realize that they're closer to the eight and maybe the nine and maybe the 10 or somewhere in that window because they don't have, even if you project Josh Richardson forward as a top 30 player, they don't have a top 30 player right now. Josh Richardson is having a very good year. It is, as I've said on previous pods, Eddie Jones, 2002, 2003. It's the same season. Okay. And Eddie Jones was a very good player. That was Eddie at 31. Josh Richardson's 25. I feel like Josh can still get better. He's not a top 30 player yet. Okay. When you go through the Eastern conference, lefty Leif, um, you know, Greg Sylvander from Miami Heat Beat was, you know, saying you know, about the progress Josh has made. He's totally right. But he also said he's an all-star. Okay. Or he could be an all-star. You look at the Eastern Conference. I got to 12 pretty easily. Okay. In terms of mm-hmm. players in the Eastern Conference, they're going to get picked ahead of Josh. Josh is probably going to get squeezed. It's going to be a situation like last year where maybe he gets added after a couple players are hurt or don't go like what happened with Dragic. But they don't have a legitimate all-star in the Eastern Conference, the weaker of the two conferences. So if you just start there, like their best player, if you want to say it's Josh Richardson now, I think last year we would have said it was Dragic, their best player is not the best player on, what, 25 other teams, probably? So let's start there, okay? Well, and, and that, I think, is the is the genesis of the Jimmy Butler conversation, which is you have some promising young players, but... They're not indispensable, right? And I, I feel like Jimmy, but like Pat Riley, eventually ended up making because of his nice start, Josh Richardson indispensable. And I just fundamentally disagree with that. Like Jimmy Butler, is, I'm sorry, Josh Richardson is the gateway player to who you want to get a top 15 guy, which Jimmy Butler is. Like you build up Josh Richardson's value, give him a good contract, so that you can go and get even even if 
you don't like the Jimmy Butler extension, well then pick somebody else. Like throw the kitchen sink at San or at San Antonio for Kawhi. Like you you can't be holding on to this team because you really like what you've developed in Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson needs to flourish somewhere else. If the Heat are going to get back to where they want to be, which again a lot of people get angry at me because I don't enjoy the night tonight. I don't enjoy kind of uh, you know it, getting to watch an entertainment an entertaining brand of basketball and that I, I don't enjoy basketball enough because I want the Heat to be competing for championships. I obviously am that way because that's just sort of the way that I've been conditioned to support basketball. But Pat Riley kind of taught me that, right? That either you're winning or you're doing nothing, right? And I feel like it's, it's and this is the thing that we've talked about a million times, but the fact that the fans, you talk about accepting mediocrity with the Dolphins. I think, I don't want to say accepting mediocrity with the Heat because there are still, I think, plenty of people that don't like this, but there was a certain segment of the, of the fan base like, well, let's have our fun and enjoy our young players get better. And I, I'm just a bit surprised that people who grew up in the Pat Riley mold, right, that let listen to him, you know, basically be your franchise leader for 25 years are kind of okay with what's happening. Like, it's a bit strange to me. We'll get back to our episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Just took care of a friend of mine today, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can find all of your protection under one roof. They offer home, auto, commercial, and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola all the way down to the Keys. They've got multiple carriers for all the product lines to ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your particular area. Also, they are proud sponsors of the Homes for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. So make sure that you call Greg at 954-589-2204 to reach Brunt Insurance or go to bruntinsurance.com. I think they're less okay, much less okay than Dolphin fans. Uh, and I, I've noticed that recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, until we had, you know, the the, the gay-stastrophe, um, as I'm calling it, uh, <laughs> from Sunday in Indianapolis, uh, and, and a lot of Dolphin fans turned on him. You know, the Dolphin fans basically have been apologists, uh, in my view, all year. Um, I, I, Heat fans have not been apologists for long. I, that That's, in fact, I, I think at times, you know, and, and Riley gave voice to this. I mean, at times, I think they've been a little spoiled. And, and, I, and so they've turned on this pretty quickly. And I think they're much more practical about this stuff than Dolphin fans. I mean, their, their attitude now is tank. And whether we're going to discuss whether that's feasible or not. But at you least, think that's true? You think for the most part, most Heat fans want to be tanking? I, I feel like the most active Heat fans, the ones that I interact with the most on Twitter, I, I think they've come to that conclusion. I, I mean, that's, that's what I get in my mentions all the time. And I, I feel like w- where we're at, you know, I feel like the Toronto game, and it's interesting we're doing this right after that, I feel like the Toronto game is exactly what a lot of Heat fans want, right? Mm-hmm. They, were, they were competitive against a really good team. They played they, the three young guys, Richardson, Adebayo, and Winslow, played exceptionally well together. They had a positive rating when the three were out there, and Wade went off. And I kind of feel like if you ask most Heat fans right now, because the expectations are so low for what this team can actually accomplish, like if you said, is that a reasonable outcome for you night to night? Young guys play well, Wade does something you remember, and you still lose. I feel like 85% of Heat fans would take that. Like, I, I didn't notice, and maybe it's because, you know, again, the gay catastrophe staff, in, uh, in, in Indianapolis, uh, maybe it's because everybody was focused on that. But they're a, you know, they're a little bit different, the two fan bases, at least the ones on social media. I mean, there's a lot of crossover, obviously, but it's not exactly the same. And I did not notice any, you know, gnashing of teeth 
last night after the Toronto game. Like I went back and, you know, we were focused on the Dolphins. I didn't want, I'll admit that's the first heat game. I haven't watched the whole season because um, I was in transit. I'm in New York right now. And I did watch the Dolphin game. We were focusing on that for the podcast, but I did not notice anybody taking exception with the heat. I, all I got was mm-hmm. cool. We can tank like, and I, so I feel like that's the trifecta that heat fans are comfortable with. Young guys get minutes and show promise. Wade does something you remember, lose. Like that's that's where I think. I, a lot I guess of- I guess my issue is is what happens if the young players go from playing a lot of minutes to impacting winning, right? Like what if they develop enough of a chemistry? As as you mentioned, uh, Richardson had a team worse. I think it was a minus twenty five last night. But the other two guys, Winslow and Adebayo, uh, off the bench. Winslow was a plus fifteen. Adebayo was a plus one, and. That in in the middle of a game in which you lost by double digits and were you know down by even bigger over the course of the game uh, is not something that I think is going to lead towards consistent losing. And so I guess the issue is as much as so you you think the Heat are bad. I think the Heat are below average. I don't know if I'd go below to bad. I, I'm not going to say they're bad. Okay. okay. I, 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 so so maybe I went a little too too far mm-hmm. at the beginning. I don't think they're a bad team because I I think I don't think they'll be a bad team unless they want to be. Let, let's put sure. it that way. I, I don't think that because eventually I have enough confidence in in their coach to figure out enough combinations. Mm-hmm. If, it took him a half a season two years ago. So it, well, it took him a half a season in in 2015, 16. Also, actually, people don't talk about that, but the year that they ended up getting within a game of the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, they were not great the first half of the year with Chris Bosh. I think there were four games over 500 at the break, if whatever from what I remember. And Bosh went out, and then he he sort of by necessity put Dang at the four, and that team took off. So it does take him some time and I believe if the goal this year and again this is what we're going to discuss if the goal this year is to turn it around I believe eventually he will come up with some combinations that will do that I'm not totally sure that that's the goal okay and so I don't know that we're ever going to see that from Eric Spolster this year but to answer your question about the young guys and this is what I tweeted the other day. There's no reason. And if you read Nikias Duncan on HeatBeatMiami.com, he gave voice to this too because he talked about the ridiculous defensive rating that the Heat are putting out when Winslow, Adebayo, and Richardson play together. It's tremendous. And so this is what I think. Those guys are playing an average of about nine and a half minutes a game. They should together. They should be playing 20-plus minutes a game together at least because here are the two outcomes, and either of them are better than what we're seeing now. Outcome one is it works, okay? And you have three building blocks. And whatever concerns you may have about the guys individually, at least you have a young core that you're like, okay, these are three guys that when we get the star to go with them, we're going to want on the court with that star, okay? And so even if none of them develops into that star, they can be second, third, fourth pieces perhaps on a really good team if you get the one guy. And so that's one outcome. The other outcome is it doesn't work and you lose. Okay, you got a higher draft pick. There's no justification, Chris. Like how you get to the end result this year, whatever it is, the the those three guys need to be playing and they need to be playing together. And mm-hmm. they need to be playing over James Johnson and they need to be playing over Tyler Johnson and they need to be playing over Hassan Whiteside when necessary. It can't be about the money that guys are making. And they need to be playing over Deion Waiters if Waiters ever comes back. It needs to be about Mm-hmm. Who are the players you're going forward with? And what are the potential outcomes based on whether they play well or they don't play well? And to me, neither of those outcomes is a horrible outcome. So we keep talking about them being stuck. I feel this, one of the reasons we feel they're stuck is because we feel like they need to force these guys into the lineup because they made terrible decisions and overpaid them. Why? 
Why? Why not play three guys that you make good decisions? Because on? you overpaid like, them. Because they're, they're making yeah. a lot of money. Like we, we, like we can't so? ignore that. That's how NBA decisions get made. Of course. Why they're... though? Why? I, I understand that's how they get made. But like, okay, it's 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 sunk cost at this point. Like, what are you going to do with it? But it's, okay? but it's I mean... sunk cost for two and a half more years. Like, it's not like, well, we can just get rid of him at the end of the year, and that'll be that. Like, you kind of have to figure out a way to make it work if they're going to be making eighty, ninety million for the next couple of years. Yes, but do you believe that? Okay, so one of the premises that's thrown out there is that you need to play them so they can increase their value. Why? This there's this attitude that fans have that like other NBA GMs are stupid. Like, <laughs> like, like seriously, right? Like, right. They'll look. Oh wow, James Johnson at twenty three eight and five last night. I'm right. gonna trade for him. Give him a first right. round pick. Right. We had we had David Griffin on the pod. Okay, and I know David Griffin's thoughts on Hassan Whiteside because I remember when I was covering that the Cavs a lot that one year when LeBron went back there and Hassan, you know, was doing crazy things, you know, for Miami. I mean, the 10 blocks against Chicago and all the rest is I had a conversation with David Griffin at that time about Hassan Whiteside. They looked at Hassan Whiteside. They weren't comfortable signing Hassan Whiteside. There are a lot of GMs around the league who feel the same way. Okay. So are you telling me that just because, you know, Hassan and I give Hassan credit for what he's done this year. Okay. He's been much better than, than a lot of people, including myself anticipated. So that's great for him. But do you really think like all of a sudden he's going to shoot to the top of people's want lists? Like, no. Okay. Uh, or, or, you know, or Tyler, like suddenly people are going to look at Tyler. Like we know what Tyler is like. Tyler's a good, you know, he's a, he's a slightly above average NBA player. He's a six um, man. Who, He's a six man who's worked really hard and has some good moments. There's nothing negative you can say about Tyler Johnson except the money he's making. Um, but the money's not going to change. So, like, so Tyler has a bunch of 23 point games and he's shooting 38 percent from three. All of a sudden, teams are going to be in you know hot pursuit of him. No. So this this thing that that fans have, you have to play the guys who are making money. Like I keep hearing this about with Dion. Like, okay, you have to get value out of him. I mean. I mean, it was a terrible decision by the front office. You know, I said it at the time. Others said it at the time. It looks worse in retrospect. And so you're going to force him back out there. Like, I actually think if Dion's rusty, like Dion can help you with the tanking part of this. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. right, because he's going to take a lot of shots, whether or not he's capable of of making them in the condition that he's in when he comes back. So my thing to me, this is very simple. Whatever direction you're choosing here, whether you're trying to move forward for the future with a young core or whether you're trying to lose games to add another young asset, okay, which you can then flip perhaps for something else or keep, the three young guys need to be playing a ton of minutes together. Now, how do you get to that? Well, I mean, it means basically alienating Whiteside perhaps because, you're you, you know, you're going to need to start Bam, okay, at some stage. If you're going to play them 20 minutes together. Or do what they did Bam. against Toronto, which is Hassan played 12 minutes and Bam played 36, which is, you know, Hassan is starter in name only, right, where he, he does – his name is announced at the beginning of the game, but he doesn't play starters minutes. But again, I feel like – and this is something that Eric Spolster is going to have to manage, and I don't know if he's always been – credited with as having the best locker room tact like as as sort of being the great communicator is he's got 12 13 guys that want to play and feel like they should be playing and especially in the case of the guys that we just mentioned James Johnson, Son Whiteside, Deion Waiters, Tyler Johnson, like they're going to want to feel like they should be justifying their contracts and frankly they're going to want to get another one after this one ends. And so right. but and so- but Chris but my thing on that is this and this is why I think this start is actually good for the heat. Okay? This makes those decisions easier for Eric, right? Because, uh, again, Pat Riley has said repeatedly, 20 games is the barometer. And if this team, I looked at the schedule, okay? Their next five, they can win four of those games if they're playing well. They've got a Phoenix in there. They've got an Atlanta in there. New Orleans is going to be a challenging game, but 
they could win three or four of those games. After that, it's a murderer's row. Okay, they've got a ton of road games. They're on the West Coast. They're playing a lot of good West teams. Like this thing, if they don't go four and one, as we talk right now, before they play Atlanta, they're seven and 12, right? Okay, if they go two and three in their next five, which is also possible, you're talking about nine and 15 before you enter the more difficult part of the schedule. Okay, with maybe Dragic, you know, getting back healthy, maybe not. We'll see. All right. They, I mean, this thing could get away quickly. And if it does, like, what is Eric Spolster owe those players? Like, it's like, okay, we gave it a shot. Okay. We, 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 we tried to work James Johnson back in the lineup. We gave Tyler Johnson a bunch of minutes. Hassan, you were starting. We're not winning. We're not winning. Okay. I need, I, we, the organization needs to pivot. And that needs to be a message. And I don't think Eric would object to this. I don't know his feelings about it, but I think that need, Eric tends to be a big picture person. Okay. And he'll see the big picture here. And, and I, but that has to be a mandate from up high I, I almost feel like it's got to be Eric telling it to Pat not the reverse okay look we, you know we need to play the young guys like for the future of the organization because look Pat Riley may not be here in two or three years but the hope is Eric Spolster will be and so where is this organization going to be they need to make a decision I think at that stage we're going young like we're going to play the three young guys we may play Magruder a little bit okay maybe you know Ellington's a guy who has value he's a good guy to have in the court but I I I think that's before we get to any trades which also I think are more possible after December 15th when you can trade Ellington and I do think he has value I do think a place like Philadelphia makes sense I think there are I think the other thing that's going to help them Chris is that the Western Conference has 14 teams competitive right now right there's going to be a market for guys like Rodney Magruder and Wayne Ellington. I don't know that there'll be a market. For I feel Tyler like that market Johnson. is more in the East, though, because if you're if you're in the West, even if you are winning games right now and you are competitive, do you think you're a Wayne Ellington away from beating the Warriors? Whereas if you're in the East right now, if you're even Indiana right now, you're talking to say, hey, if we get a shooter, maybe we can face the Raptors in the conference finals and are we really that afraid of the Raptors as good as they are I mean the Raptors are exceptional but just from a reputational standpoint do you really think that they're going to go and be dominant in the playoffs when they've been choking dogs in the playoffs for as long as we can remember them so I I feel like in the east that market will really be there when the Golden State's going to figure it out like unless they trade Durant in the middle of the season which would be ridiculous uh, I I just I just don't see how West teams really talk themselves into giving up first-round picks to make moves so they can get to the second round, get to the third round, and eventually lose to Golden State. Today's edition of the 5 Reasons Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation. AutoNation makes it easy to customize your new or used ride with a huge selection of AutoNation auto gear accessories. AutoNation is your one-stop shop to get your vehicle auto gear equipped with the top brands. Schedule your auto gear session today at an AutoNation store near you. Design specialists will take you through the entire customization process step by step, helping you create the vehicle of your dreams. From new wheels to a customized entertainment system, we've got you covered. Qualified buyers right now can take advantage of 0% financing for 60 months. Schedule your session today. Visit AutoNation.com to find your nearest location. AutoNation, a proud sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. But what David Griffin talked about, and, I, and, and Stan talked about this a lot when we had him on the pod, what they both talked about was every situation is different. And what you think may be driving a team, like we would assume that might, what's driving a team might be beating Golden State. But for some teams, it might be making the playoffs for the first time in forever. Like if you're the mm -hmm. Sacramento Kings and you're still in the mix and you want to get a group like that has De'Aaron Fox and Willie Cauley-Stein and, and some of those guys into the postseason to experience that, like it might be worth it to you. You got cap and, space. And I don't believe they own their first-round pick. Right, so, so right. So they, they have every incentive to win. 
Right. So uh, every team has a different situation. Like if you're in New Orleans, right? Yeah. And you're you trying keep to keep Anthony Davis. Yeah. Trying to keep Anthony Davis. Uh, if you're at Toronto, which has a legitimate chance to win, right? You're trying to keep Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I, I, every team has different incentives. And just the fact that you've got, I mean, Utah is a team that we thought was going to be pretty good and they've kind of sunk down to 13 or 14th in the West, but they want to build on their momentum, get Donovan Mitchell back to the playoffs. There, the fact that there are so many teams competitive right now, yeah. if you're the Heat, there's going to be a market for your assets. Okay. And they do have some assets. I mean, that, you know, and, and I, I start with Ellington and Magruder because I think if you're a good team, like both of those guys are plug and play. Like it's just, I mean, you literally, you, I mean, they're both professional as hell. Okay. I mean, they really are. And like you can get Wayne Ellington and he can hoist 10 threes for you tomorrow. Okay. And then within two weeks, you can build, you know, a game within the game for him, like Eric has done here in Miami. And all of a sudden, that's an effective player for you. Rodney Magruder, just a guy you throw on the court to wreak havoc for 15 minutes on a good team. Okay. So I feel like there's a market for some of their players. And look, they're going to want to trade out West. I mean, Riley has typically wanted to trade outside the conference. So I think this is setting up for them to move some of those guys, which may alleviate the stress on Eric also, because if his roster thins out a little yeah. bit, okay, and they're picking up some second round picks or whatever it is, some assets that Riley would probably move somewhere else later on, then he, he's going to have to play some of those other guys by default. I'm just saying the priority right now, whatever direction you choose is Play the three young guys, okay? This uh, Playing James Johnson more minutes than Justice Winslow should never happen anymore. It just shouldn't, okay? Whatever you think of Justice, okay? We know what James Johnson's upside is. A and so, like, I, I know you paid him. That was not great, okay? <laughs> paying him, <laughs> right, paying him four years was not great. And I like James Johnson as a player, but not not great. Okay, even we've started to see with Kelly Olenek already. Like, yeah. yeah, right? I mean, he's, and, he's, he's a player of the league starting to pass by a little bit, isn't it? Like it, it really it, yes. feels like if, cause they're, they're forcing him to play with either Adebayo or with Whiteside. That's hard for him, man. Like he's got to be a center on a team. I, I feel like, I feel like Olenek might be a good trade piece, obviously, cause I don't feel like the contract's that bad. He's, he's a skillful player, but he's got to go somewhere to play the five. And they and, have three guys who need to play the five. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have three fives on the roster yep. and they have six twos. I mean, I, look it, this, like when you say, is this a bad team? It's just a badly, poorly constructed team. Yeah. Okay. There and are, and that's, it's so players. depressing to say that about a Pat Riley team, isn't it? Like it's so every team he's ever had has made sense. If yeah. you be, until this one, every team he's had has made sense. If you look at the building, let, let's go all the way back to. Although the I, I guess I guess the 06 team didn't really make sense. It just worked. no, it did. It it, it did. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to go back on this. I mean, we're 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 having. I, I didn't like the trades. Okay, and I I was wrong about that. And I've made a culprit on that a million times, including to him directly. But look, if, if you look at the late 90s, and we're going to have Tim Hardaway on the pod here in the next week or so, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay may not be so fun for, for the heat at times because Tim's going to speak his mind. <laughs> okay. But uh, if you go back to the, the late nineties, um, the whole structure of that yeah. and at the time, Pat adjusted to what the league was, what was the league? It was a point guard center league. He went and got his center. Okay. Even though he had to give up a really good player in Glenn Rice to do it. And he went and got his point guard and then they built around it, okay? Needed a shooter, okay, who would defend twos. You got Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Dan Marley. And that was after Jawan Howard was taken back by the league. They got Marley. They needed a guy in P.J. Brown who could defend multiple positions up front. Okay, rebound, do the dirty work next to Zoe. Got that player. Added a guy in Bruce Bowen who was a stretch player and a defender at that. That team made sense. Then you even look at the team that he constructed after that one kept sort of knocking its head against the wall with the Knicks. Look at what he did in one summer. He added a Brian Grant, okay, to play next to Zoe. Didn't work out because Zoe got sick, but Brian would have been a perfect four in the system. Got a guy in Eddie Jones who was like a Josh Richardson type who could play next to Hardaway, and an Anthony Mason guy who could who could be a, a ball handler from the front court. That team made sense. Then you go forward to even the 03 team. Okay, people talk about, well, it was a weird team because it was so young and whatever. And yes, he drafted, and I'll, I'll never, I always give Levitard a hard time about this because the column that he wrote, and the column I wrote in the night they dro- drafted Dwayne Wade, he wrote, Why are you drafting Dwayne Wade when you have Eddie Jones? Okay. But they, they, so that one was a little odd, okay, in terms of they took the best player, they had to move Dwayne to the point guard position, but Pat quickly remedied it, right, by moving Dwayne to his natural spot at the two, bringing in shooters to play off of him, like a Damon Jones, then a Ray for Austin, those type of players, to play off of him, the type of players that Jordan played with and Kobe played with because he wanted Dwayne to be a player who was playing the two but was handling the ball a lot, so he had a spot-up shooter next to him. That made sense. And even the trades he made, you mentioned them, even the trades he made in the 05 summer, which I didn't like at the time because I thought that Jason Williams was not going to be a player they could control. What ended up happening was Jason Williams was too controlled. They had to tell him to be more aggressive Okay, that year. But if you look at those players, they had a guy in Antoine Walker who could play the three and the four, flexible player, and he was interchangeable with Posey. It's a different player, totally opposite player. Player, but you could play them together. You could play one instead of the other. He's always built teams and the big three team, right? He has those three core pieces. And what does he do? He adds, you know, an above the rim big in Chris Anderson. He adds a Shane Batty who could guard, again, multiple positions, stretch player. Mike Miller could play off of guys. Ray Allen could play. So he, his rosters have always made sense. This roster is not the worst roster he's ever had with Miami, but it is the roster, Chris, that makes the least sense. And in my view, it is not salvageable, okay, like this. Okay, it's not. Okay, you're, you're not going to – this team is not going to turn around and go 30-11. and 11. It's just not. That magic from that year is gone. As Tyler Johnson said, a lot of them got paid. Okay, now I know some of them got paid before, right? They got paid in 2016. But even more of them got paid. I don't think you're ever going to get that same hunger that you got to prove yourself in the league that they did before. That's not that it's about the money. It's about proving yourself. And so I think eventually he knows it. They've got to make changes. But what I would say is play the young guys because at least then you feel like this is going forward. I, I guess the next question, and I know we want to get more into this, is mm-hmm. if you want to tank, yep. 
how do you do it? Because uh, let, let's look at the Eastern Conference, okay? And yeah. I want to go through some of these. I know you did some research on this. All right, so we, we've already mentioned there, there are five teams in the East. I think once Boston gets his bleat together, right? Like there are five teams in the East that I think are uh, talent-wise are, are above others, okay? Um, and then you look, Detroit's been a pleasant surprise, I think. Uh, Blake's playing at, at a very high level. Um, Charlotte, which was not a team we talked about, actually has the third highest point, third best point differential in the whole conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlando, game, yeah, yeah. Orlando is, is and I don't know what they're going to do with Kemba. It's, that could change the dynamic, but obviously a lot. But uh, Orlando is ten and ten, but has a worse point differential than the Heat. We'll see how that plays out. But the teams that are and Washington, we've talked a lot about Washington, and, and Brooklyn lost Lavert, which I, I think you're going to start to see that sort of you know, really affect them. And they finally have their first round picks. So like they, they're, they're incentivized to lose as well. They're incentivized to lose. All right. So let's look at the teams that they're not going to be worse than. And and I'll tell you this, they know they're not going to be worse than these teams. Okay. They know it. All right. Um, Atlanta, they're not, they've lost to Atlanta, but they're not, Atlanta's point differential is minus 11 right now. They're they're not going to be worse than Atlanta. I mean, they're shooting under 40% from the, are they shooting? No, I'm sorry. They're shooting. Uh, yeah, they're shooting 48. percent So it's not. It's not that bad. But but basically, they're not going to be a good. They're team. terrible defensively, though. Horrible defensively. Um. Okay. Cleveland. I mean, they've basically David Griffin spoke to this too. I mean, they've made a decision, right? We're not going to see love anytime soon. Colin Sexton's playing a lot of minutes and playing better lately, but that team's a mess mm-hmm. intentionally now. They told they um, they, they told J.R. So, Smith to go away. They're they're right. trying to be bad. Right. Which, so, which by the way is the right thing and what they should have done all off season. Like, like they should have been that they should have immediately torn the thing apart. The moment that LeBron James announced he was going to Los Angeles. Well, they got lucky that love got hurt. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, not, not, not that Kevin love has always contributed to winning on bad teams, but, but, but so, I think it's just so weird to me that like they go to Tyron Lou after what four games. Hey, we want to play the young guys now. Like, hang on, hang on a second. What? Like yeah, we spent the whole we, we spent the whole off season with the bluster of Dan Gilbert saying we're gonna try and be competitive, we're gonna try and make the right. playoffs. And it's like why that was stupid. And if you're if you're not gonna if, if you're not gonna tell Tyron Lue that that's what we're doing, then why are you changing after four games? That's absurd. Yeah, well, I again, I I think that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Kobe Altman had to make the call on that, but I mean, I think that's ownership basically. Yeah, it's awful and ownership. Yeah, it, right. All right, and the Knicks are seven and fourteen right now. Their point differential is much worse. Than the Heat's is, but I mean they could just hold Porzingis out all year if they yeah. want. Like I, which so, is, which is again probably what they should do. Right. So you're you're looking at the Knicks, Atlanta, and Cleveland. The Heat cannot. I mm-hmm. don't think yeah. there's any way. Even playing the three young guys, like because the three young guys are all pretty good in their own way, and Josh Richardson I think is very good. Like you're not going to be worse. So so those three are beneath you. All right. Then you look at some of the others. Chicago. How long are they going to hold Markin and out? Um, Jabari doesn't defend. The Heat, uh, you know, I, I the Heat were like, pretty comfortably better than them on Saturday night, or it was a Friday night. Yeah, like it was. It, like right. I, w- I watched the majority of that game. Miami was a good deal better than Chicago. Like even even as they were trying to give the game away in the late third, early fourth, mm-hmm. like they, they they're they're better than Chicago. And I guess I guess the so I guess the for me I I've been a little bit more positive since kind of really examining this, particularly because of the West. There's nobody out west, like maybe Sacramento, but again, they're not incentivized to lose. They don't have just their first-round pick. It's just Phoenix. Like Utah's in 14th at 9-11. and 11. Four right. and a half games separate 1st and 14th in the yep. Western Conference. Like That's ludicrous. Everyone's well, going to that conference. Well, and I'll tell you this. They're aware of that too, and, and I think – that may be what dictates their strategy here. So, so let's let's finish the East because I I do think the West plays into this big time. Mm-hmm. So, if we're going to say that there are 
it, you're looking at Atlanta, Chicago, Cleveland, and the Knicks. Uh, and the Knicks are all worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the worst case scenario for the Heat, if you, or best case, whatever you want to look at mm-hmm. it, is eleventh. Okay, right. I, I feel like they could be better than Orlando. Should be better than Orlando. Yep. Should be better than the Nets. If the Nets want to tank, mm-hmm. and they've been a very smart organization about the way they've done things lately, ever since Sean Marks came in, the Nets could be worse than the Heat if they want to be. Okay, and, and, and I think I think Washington too has got to be in that conversation just because. Even even if they're winning games, and I think they're playing a close game tonight with Houston. They're in overtime as we speak. Um, but I, I think that if they make a trade in which they give up the you know they give away Bradley Beal for a couple of young pieces and and, and some draft picks, I like they they could potentially downgrade on a Bradley Beal trade. Even if it does you know maybe affect their chemistry in a positive way, I, I think there's possible there's possibilities for them to get worse uh, after a after a kind of franchise destructing trade or trades. Right. So, okay. So let's throw them in the mix too. Let's throw Orlando in the mix. You're looking at Brooklyn, Orlando, the Knicks, Wizards, Cavaliers, Bulls, and Hawks. Okay. But if you're better than all of them, you're in the playoffs. (laughs) Well, then you're eighth. (laughs) Right. Then you're eighth. How did we do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh God, this conference is so bad. Okay. At the bottom, it's it's not the love of God. Can we get rid of conferences, please? Uh, So bad. You're right. Right. Hold on. I'm gonna do this again. Brooklyn, Orlando, Knicks, Wizards, Cavs, Bulls. Hawks, yeah, I guess so, right? That's yeah. what? It, well, no, that's six, right? Am I am I counting? This? No, that's no, seven. seven. That's seven. seven. Yeah. So you're eighth. All right. So that okay. Well, that's well then. That, you're that's that's doomsday. That like is Toronto doomsday. That is doomsday for this team. Good no, lord. Do, dooms, doomsday is ninth. Doomsday is ninth. Well, no, but ninth, ninth at least you're in the lottery. You probably have a worse record than you know f- three or four of the teams that that missed the that, that missed the Western Conference. Uh, I don't think so. I don't. Th- that, that that's that's what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. There are 14 teams in the West that are competitive. Right. I think you could be ninth in the East mm-hmm. with 35 wins, okay? Mm-hmm. And have, like, the 10th best lottery balls? Yes, because yeah. I think that you're looking at all these teams in the West where you, you, you may have – maybe Sacramento is the one that dives, but I'm looking at the other 13, and I, you could have a worse record than all of them. Like, you could have the 13th seed in the West with 36 wins. I think that's very conceivable. And so – I think what we're looking at, I want to get back to the point about the West because I think this is why the Heat feel they have some time to make a decision, okay? The Heat have never gone into a season. I have this on pretty good authority, too. They've never gone into a season planning to tank except for one. Would you want to guess what season that was? In in the Riley era? Since Riley came, yeah. right? 1995, they, 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 we're going they, back they to. They, they, they weren't planning They've to only tank. sort of, and it wasn't even a full tank, but it was, they went into a it season. The, it was the 25 and 57 season, right? In the early 2000s? No. I want to say 01, 02? 02. 02. Okay. So 02, 2003. 02, 03. And okay. it was not 2007, 2008. They had a bunch of players right. still left I mean, over. Right. Like, you look, at, you look at all the team that were, like, all the players that are on injured reserve at the end of the year. Like, it was Wade, Haslam, Sean Merritt. Like, their basically entire starting five was on injured reserve. And they sort of decided some of that about exactly. halfway through the exactly. season. But but 2002-2003, Zoe got sick again Okay, in September. It was right before the year, and it was totally deflating because they'd had this kind of collection of misfits the previous year, Kendall Gill, Travis Best, Cedric Sabalos, Jimmy Jackson, like guys who had played in a bunch of other places who still had some you know effective time left, but they were not. You know, they were the kind of players that Riley would have paid, you know, $50 million to in the summer of 2017. <laughs> okay, but but at the time, they got them relatively cheap. And and so they came into the 2002-03 season, or at least that summer, thinking, okay, we're going to have Zoe back, right? So we'll get back to sort of a playoff place. And then he got sick again in September. And so they went into that year knowing 
we don't really have a chance. Okay. And as that season progressed and they denied it at the time, but have acknowledged it since as that season progressed, like they started sort of playing for lottery balls, even to the point of that last game that they mistakenly won against Toronto. Okay. That last game of the season that they wanted to lose because they wanted the fourth best chance, not the fifth best chance. So they could get Chris Bosch more likely. (laughs) And what ended up happening was they ended up winning the game. And so Bosch went to Toronto and then the heat had to make a decision and thankfully took Dwayne Wade and the rest is history. That's the only season they went into planning to tank. Oh, seven, oh eight. They didn't plan to, and I, they didn't plan to tank Chris, but they, they knew it would be difficult. And so they they did eventually, they did eventually. they would push it along. 2007, 2008, they still had some residue from the fi- you know the finals teams. They still had what they believed was a healthy Dwayne Wade. And so they went into that season thinking they could be competitive, and then it all sort of fell apart. And then, like I said, you know, Wade was having experimental knee procedures or whatever, and, and you know, whatever he was doing. And then Haslam got shut down. I mean, when that happens, you know, I mean, Adonis <laughs> played, with the, played with blood clots, okay, and never told anybody, right? Like, so, I mean, that, that's UD. Um, so they shut everybody down that year and they ended up basically you know they they didn't get lucky and they didn't get the first pick and so they didn't take rose and they took beasley those are the only two seasons this is my understanding of where it is right now they're not planning to tank they want to see their roster as full as possible we can argue whether that's that makes any sense because whether Dion waiters is going to help them or not i don't think so whether james johnson was going to help them maybe a little bit but i don't think significantly they want to see their roster in totality they want to see their real starting lineup which as i understand it would be dragic Richardson, Magruder, James Johnson, and Whiteside. And then a bench that consists of primarily Bam, Wade, Winslow, and then some other piece, whether it's Olinick, whether it's Tyler Johnston, whether it's whoever it is, but it depends on the day. Okay, that's my understanding. And Waiters is not really in that conversation, but that's what they want to see eventually. They are cognizant of the fact that they may never get to it. And there are just some seasons where that just doesn't happen. Go back to 2014, 2015. Their original starting lineup was Norris Cole, right? Josh McRoberts with Deng, Bosch, and Wade. That's what they planned to go with. That starting lineup played 33, I think it was 32 or 33 minutes together total. Mm-hmm. McRoberts never got healthy. Norris, you know, Norris was not a factor. They ended up sub, I think, believe Chalmers ended up starting again. Like that ended up not working. And then they traded for Dragic, right? So that had never ended up playing out like they wanted. Then even the next season, like they wanted to have the whole group together. And that didn't last very long because Bosch got sick. There are just some years it just doesn't happen. And I think they're coming to the realization that it may not happen this year. But I do think what buys them a little bit of time before they subtly tank. Okay, I don't think it'll be a full tank, but I think it'll be you play the young guys a ton of minutes, you let them play through mistakes, all right, and you're competitive in games, but you may not be winning a lot of them. And you I close th- with bad lineups. That's the key to cl- tanking. Which you've talked about, right, the closing with bad lineups. It's hard for them to do it because a lot of their players are the same, right? So yeah. it's, it's going to be hard for us to identify, whereas if, like, you know, some other like when Phoenix was closing with the lineups they were closing with last year, which was like they weren't even G League players, right? They if were they like, ever mysteriously closed with Bam, Olinick, and Whiteside on the floor together, you'll know what's up. <laughs> right. right, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, and then and they're calling up Mayton from uh, you know from, from the, <laughs> the D League. I mean, yeah. that's I mean, because see, Powell was closing games, you know, with Blake <laughs> Ahern yeah. in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Okay, if that starts to happen, then you you know that's gone. But I think it'll be more of a subtle thing. But I do think what they believe buys them time and I don't know this for sure but I they know the landscape of this is the west because if 
14 of those teams are going to remain competitive for a while. You don't have to make the tanking decision immediately and still get a high pick. You know you're not getting one of the top four slots anyway because four teams in the East are going to be impossible to out-tank. You're not out-tanking Dan Gilbert when he doesn't have LeBron James. He's that bad, okay? Mm -hmm. You're not going to out-tank them. But if you know that, okay, the 14th team in the West right now is Utah, like – you have time, okay? Yeah. Because Utah's not going to be a 30-win team this year. They're not going to be a 25-win team. So I think you're watching teams like Sacramento. You're watching a team like, okay, how does Minnesota look without Butler? I saw tonight that Minnesota is closing with Rose and not with Wiggins, okay, next to Teague. Like, they're experimenting with some things because Rose has mm-hmm. been so good. Minnesota has they, They've better. won five of their last seven. Right. I mean, Covington and Sarge have helped them because, look, Jimmy was not helping them, right? Like, he right. wasn't doing anything to help them. So they've added players to help them, and Rose has resurrected his career a little bit. So I think you're watching teams like that, and you're saying, okay, how far can we string this along to give ourselves some time to see as much of our roster as we can without losing draft position? And I think, Chris, they have about a month. I, I do. I, I think, you know, I think it's going to get worse here because of the schedule after these five games. And, and, and by the way, on that, uh, something that I've, I've looked up here, just kind of looking at the standing of standings a million different ways, uh, they've played 15 of their first 19 games against the East. They're 5-10. Mm-hmm. and 10. So they've only they've only played four of the thirty games they have to play against the Western Conference this year. So mm-hmm. it and and they've obviously gotten two and two in those games. There's a lot of games left on West Coast road trips and against Western Conference teams where they're going to be underdogs in almost all of them, just strictly based off record. Yes, yes, and the other thing is, if you're going against some of those teams that are in that sort of nine to fourteen space in the West, and you're losing those games, mm. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, which, which you're probably going to do. Then those teams are not getting behind you, and so so I, I really think that the Heat have time, and I think that that may be some of what's going on here is that they're being strategic about this, where they're watching it and they're saying, okay, do we really need to pull the plug on this yet? Like, what are we losing by waiting three weeks to a month? And what you also may have, and I don't know this, okay, this is not a report. I want to make this very clear. I don't know this, but they have a lot of cooks in the kitchen now. They do, okay? They've got, even with Chet Kammerer sort of stepping aside, right, and moving into more of a consulting role, they have Mickey, Nick, Eric, Adam Simon, Pat Riley, did I miss somebody? Did Andy I mention Ellisberg. her? And Andy, right. Okay, so you're talking about six people on Shade, right? I, I, how many do we have? Yeah, Shane Battier, Alonzo Mourning is kind of involved in that so, capacity so, as well. So involved in some decisions. Okay, you also have other coaches that they do listen to. All right, so you have a lot of different people. I probably said a couple guys twice. you got a lot of different people. Are we sure that all of them are aligned on a, on a direction here? Are, are, are we sure? No. I mean, I know. No, Pat- I mean, just this roster and what's happened so far this season indicate no. Right. So, so, and, and I know of other times when they've not been aligned on mm-hmm. some things. Okay. But ultimately it was, you know, Pat makes the decision. Mm-hmm. Is that, and they present go- a united front. Like, I, but, the, but the, right. these are the kind of situations that test that, right? They test, well, I'm not going to leak anything. I'm not going to say anything to some reporters. I'm not like, these are exactly the kind of situations in which all those things you try to build up as an organization might fray. Correct. Okay. And then you're right. There, there usually is a united front. Um, and the PR staff is very good at sort of presenting the one voice. And usually that one voice is the big voice. And the big voice in this case has always been the team president. It, it hasn't necessarily been the owner because he kind of, he, he has a role in some decisions. Okay. And it's big picture stuff, but he's never injected himself in a lot of these situations. I know the Tyler Johnson thing is going to get brought up, but for the most part, okay. 
as far as we know, he hasn't done a lot of that. I think Mike Miller was another example where that might have come into play. All right. But for the most part, no. And so I think we basically said, OK, the Heat are making a decision. When we say the Heat are making a decision, we, we basically believe it's Pat Riley making a decision. But circumstances have changed here. Pat's in his 70s. All right. They've got a head coach who would be very attractive on the open market if he ever was. All right. Or for a front office position, potentially. They have brought in somebody in Shane Battier who had a chance to go to Detroit. Did decline the second interview, which we all assumed was because he has some role in the organization going forward. They have a GM in Andy Ellisberg, who, if he was on the open market, would be snatched up by 29 other teams, okay, in some capacity. So, and Adam Simon, who has interviewed for other positions, right, and is attractive to other front offices, right? So, I mean, the whole front office is attractive to other front offices, all right? Everybody's attractive to somebody else. And so, I think at some point, we have to look at it and say, you know, maybe Pat is not the sh- he may be the strongest voice in the room, but even he's acknowledged like he's put together sort of a team of I wouldn't call him a team of rivals, which is what you hear about sometimes in you know real presidential administrations, like where you have a team of rivals and people actually disagree with you. Like maybe maybe they don't have that, but they certainly have people who have other opinions. And I mm-hmm. feel like Pat has heard those opinions, especially because- especially divided among age. Right. You have right. You have people in that front office who might be a bit more towards the new school, the way that basketball is heading. And maybe, you know, Pat Riley is in his 70s who thinks that, you know, I'm paying Hassan Whiteside $25 million, use him as your franchise center. Like that like that right. might be a legitimate thought that's filtering through that organization, viewed through the prism of age, not through the prism of, you know, competing ideas or agendas. Correct. And you also have, um, you have a Duke contingent, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, you do. I mean, with, with Mickey and with Nick and, and with, maybe, with maybe, maybe they're the tanking contingent because they want to go get Zion or Barrett well, or well, one of these Duke guys. guys. There are three guys at Duke that yeah. you want to have right now. Okay. I mean, there, there are three guys who maybe the top three picks or if not, you know, three of the top five picks in the draft. So I'm not saying that there's major dissension. I'm not reporting that, but what I'm saying is we shouldn't make the assumption anymore that it's just Pat making the decisions going forward. And so I feel like if that's the case, okay, if there are different views of this from different people on which guys to play and what direction to go, the fact that you can buy yourself three or four weeks Mm. to kind of have the decision made for you, right? Like, so again, if you go two and three on the next five and then you hit that West Coast trip and you come out of that thing and you're 12 games under 500, all right, and you're in the 10 slot, in the, in the Eastern conference, like the decision is made for you, right? Like it's made for you. Like at the very least, you're going to play the young guys, unless you're just crazy. A decision is made for you. Um, and so I feel like to a certain degree, that's, that's where we're headed. When you look at the West and you say, we're not in a rush to do anything here. And so I, I, so I guess the larger point of this whole pod is I feel like eventually the heat are going to subtly tank. Like, I feel like that's where this is headed. I don't think do, it's going to be it's, like... Do you think it's a Memphis tank where they were really bad for one year and now they're right back in the fourth seed in the West? Yes. Where they get they get the yes. one young I, player because they yeah. don't have their pick in 2021. Although I will say, if I was Pat Riley and the Sixers called about Win Ellington, I would ask, hey, can I get my pick back? Yes. That would be the first thing I'd try and get back. Well, and then if not, I'd say, can I have faults? Like, I like well, I, I, yeah. I, I would ask for, and I know there's a debate in our network about that, but I, I would I think I'd rather have a 2019 first-round pick from the Philly at 25 than faults because well, I, 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 I trust the Heat's development He was the number system. one pick of the draft, Chris. I'm not ready to give up on it yet. Oh, man, it's bro- I think it's broken. I, I think it's broken. Like, legitimately, he's broken. It's broken. Like, his career might be over 
Like I, I'm not that I don't think that's I don't think it's exaggerating to say his career might be over. Okay, Chuck Knobloch, this is before your time, okay? But yeah. but Chuck Knob Chuck Knobloch was an all-star second baseman for the Twins. He went to the Yankees. He couldn't throw the ball to first base. He had Keith Olbermann's mom. Correct. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. And and he still contributed on a World Series team. Yeah. Like I, like it, it can be done. Okay. Matthew I guess Stafford, I guess the thing is that the same thing happened to. Like you can you can not be able to throw from second base and hit DH for the Yankees. If you can't shoot in basketball. Then Ben Simmons then, can't shoot. Well, ben Simmons can't fair. shoot. He's going to be an that's all-star. Fair. Okay. The other night I watched Ben Simmons. It was more pathetic than what Fultz has done. Okay. He, he was standing out at the three point line for seven seconds. Okay. And would not shoot the ball. Like they were <laughs> screaming at him to shoot the ball. So I, I feel like Markel Fultz can be coached to contribute in other ways. And if I have faith in the organization on something more than anything else, it's in the ability to develop players and get them in the right headspace. So I feel like they could do something with him, but neither here nor there. The point is, you should call Philly. Like, like mm-hmm. you could, you, like there, there's. I love Wayne Ellington as a player and as a person and all of those things, but like he's not, he's not doing you the good he would do them. Okay, and so it, to me, like that's an easy move. Like Rodney McGruder, and I know he's got a no trade. He would go back to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Rodney McGruder is an easy move. Like it's a great find. But what we we talked about at the beginning of this is. They've gotten too attached to their own players. Like it's like they don't want to. Like they develop someone, and whether it's you know even Richardson, who I, is a great find, a tremendous find. But it's like you know we developed this from player from the 40th pick in the draft. Like we don't want to part with this player. And I was not in favor of them parting with him for Butler. But I'm talking about it, it's this has become a the Heat culture right now is 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 not wanting to give away their toys. Like that is the culture. It's well, like to me to me it was so sad yesterday that like. I saw uh, I saw a joke on Twitter. I think it was Brendan Tobin who tweeted out the Heat just offered Leonte Carew a four year deal. Like that's so it's so sad to me that that's the meme and, and with to, this team. To, Tobin like, is the most supportive guy of the Heat. I know of he's, he's like he's, know. you know John Wall and Bradley Beal get linked, and there's a picture of Pat Riley with a harpoon on Twitter <laughs> aiming at the Wizards logo. Like like that that's Tobin, and yet. The, the idea that the joke around the heat is they give four year deals to everyone. It's like, how did this happen? Right. Like Pat right, Riley, well, like Pat Riley's reputation is if there's a free agent available, I'm going to go get him. Like that, like right. that, that's his reputation. The fact that now it's, we'll give him a four year deal. Again, I've, I've said this before. In, in soccer, there's an idea that if you're not one of the big teams, you're a selling club, right? That you mm-hmm. develop great players and, you know, they come from your academy. And in the, over there, they have what they call transfer fees, which is you pay the club for the rights to the player. And, like, you know, for example, uh, Southampton bought a player for $5 million from a lower league and they just sold them for $75. Like, that, like, that's how it works over there. You can be a feeder club to the rest of the league and that's how you run your business. Obviously, that doesn't exist in the NBA, but you can create value from nothing and then send it elsewhere and allow other players and you basically become this form and you still become an attractive destination. They still buy into the culture because ultimately the end game is money, right? If you're James Johnson, maybe you're a little bit upset that the Heat didn't give you, weren't the ones that gave you the money, but you're still getting the money. You're still thankful that the Heat made you right. some money. If you're, Deion, if you're Deion Waiters, you're thankful that the Heat made you some money. Like, I, I, again, it, we've and talked every about agent this a zillion is, times. And every, every agent exactly. is thankful to you, exactly. right, for, for doing that. Look, it's the same thing. My, my daughter has these uh, magnets she plays with in the house, okay? And she builds these really incredible, like, you know, buildings. Okay. Like, I mean, she builds like whole complexes. Okay. In, in the house, <laughs> with these magnets, I keep having to buy more magnets, but eventually, okay. You know, we need to walk in the living room. Right. And so we need to create space. And so I'll say to her, I say, Sasha, you know, could we, could, could we, you know, this has been up for three days. Can you build another one? 
right? Can you build another one? Can we take this one down and build another one? She goes, okay, daddy. And she cleans it up and she builds another one. And we have space in our living room. And I don't understand why Pat Riley didn't just build another one. Like you, you, you built a James Johnson, you built a Dion Waiters with the help of your really good coaching staff. And you built these players. And why do we not just build Another one, let's tear them down, create the space, and then throw the Magnetos on the floor, and let's build a Tyreek Evans, and let's build a Jeff Green, and let's build somebody else, and then we're going to tear it down again and build it again until we get the house that we want in the middle of our living room. Okay? I feel like, like this that's... year would have been Ilyasova and Bellinelli just because they killed you in the playoffs. Right. right. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Okay, that, that's fine. And look, Ellington was good value, so that was fine. Okay, but 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 like to me, that's what I understand. So, I mean, what's done is done. And now the question is, how? Where do you go from here? And I feel like that's where this is going. I think that, we're going to have another pod in about three itself. to four weeks. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the young guys playing thirty minutes a night. I'm talking about Winslow and Bam because Josh already is. And I'm talking about the young guys playing thirty minutes a night. I'm talking about them having a lot of close losses um, and sort of settling in. And if they look, if they make a run to eight with Bam and Winslow playing a ton of minutes and a big role in that, and they get swept in the first round by Toronto, fine. Fine, okay, but if they're going to be ninth with James Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, and Tyler Johnson playing those minutes, that's a problem. That's a problem, okay. That that's that 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 is not better than than uh you know to to have you know to have a few lottery balls, okay, or whatever, or or or, or even to get to eighth with those guys playing a ton of those minutes. I want to see the young guys play, and I I think that most of the people there want to see that too. And I, like I said, I think they're waiting for the decision to be made for them a little yeah. bit. I feel like and the West I, Coast road trip where they have, they're at Phoenix, yeah. at the Clippers, at the Lakers, at Utah, at Memphis, at the Pelicans. They go one and five, two and four on that trip. I think that answer avails itself basically around Christmas. Because then on top of that, yeah. after after you get back from New Orleans, uh, you're home with the Rockets and you're home with Milwaukee before you're at Orlando and home with Toronto. And as much as at Orlando, it sounds ridiculous to throw that in the conversation. Listen, man, the Amway Center is a house of horrors for this Miami Heat team. So uh, so I feel like uh, I feel like the answer will be revealed to itself on Boxing Day, basically. Yes, whatever that is. I, I, what is Boxing <laughs> Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. They celebrate, they celebrate oh, okay. that in England. I, I figure I figure people knew what Boxing Day was. No, I I I, I don't know where your British comes from. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's I, we got Simon name. Clancy in another pod ripping me probably as we're talking here. <laughs> yards per carry in, in saying crikey about me or whatever it is that he says. Is that Australian? Is that British? I'm not. It's more sure. it's more Australian than British, but the, the the British do use crikey. Yes. All right. So, all right. So that's all we have for you today. We'll, we'll come back to you on this in about three weeks. Uh, we're going to have another episode this week on the Marlins marketing strategy. This is where we're at, Chris. We're talking about tanking and marketing strategies. Also, yep. um, come join us. We actually have one really cool event. Um, you don't have to watch any of the teams play. We, we've totally changed what we're doing here in terms of a, a watch party. You can watch the fish tank guys. That's OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt tape a podcast with Mark Clayton. So Clayton's going to be hanging out there for more than an hour. Former Dolphins receiver going to have great Marino duper stories, shoeless stories Uh, should be fun to to watch those guys in action. So you can come actually participate with us a little bit. And again, don't have to, it doesn't have to be in a watch party setting. So come out on Thursday night starts at seven o'clock. It's totally free other than whatever, you know, coffee or food that you buy there. Um, So come, come hang out with us and uh, we can drown our sorrows together. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.